0: If you feel insignificant, you better think again. Ah, oh, you guys, this song. We're part of something much bigger. If you have not listened to this song by Bigger or by Beyonce, who is bigger than the world, <laughs> go pause this Meathead Hippie podcast and go listen to it. This is really the song that resonates. I have chills all over about this conversation and... What is happening in the world of a shift, right? There's a shift of understanding if we are to care about wellness, if we are to care about our own body, our physical well-being, what we eat, the supplements we consume, digging deeper, our gut microbiome, digging even deeper, our brain and how that's connected into everything that we do, including our stress, our sleep, our habits, our emotional energy and the emotion we carry in our body. That prevents us from x y or z how the world is a mirror all of this ties into the fact that we are part of something much bigger and if we know that if we recognize that it helps our healing process be expedited our healing is almost non-negotiably tied (laughs) to the fact that we are meant to do big things we are here for a reason and when we look at the systems in place that separate us from nature or land or in general where food is grown and we become just consumers and that's consuming content but also consuming of food without even recognizing what's behind it, what went into it, who grew it, how did it get grown. And how is our land, how is Mother Earth being treated in that process? Uh, We have to kind of shift things up, shake things up a bit. There's nothing more powerful and nothing more healing than getting your hands into soil, digging out the food that you're going to cook, and also recognizing that if we all want to make a change in the world, there is something really impactful happening with the movement of regenerative farming. And we talk about uh, a few things in the Meathead Hippie podcast. If you have listened to me with Bobby Gill about, in general, meat consumption and understanding where your meat comes from, if you are to eat it. I have spoken to Diane Rogers of Sacred Cow, understanding about the cycle of regenerative farming and how to participate in it. And A few more conversations with White Oak Pastures, who has a beautiful farm and are doing things formally, conventionally, then converted to regenerative. So there's been these big conversations, but oh, how lucky I was to just have an impulse to book a one-way to Maui and not come home for eight months. Maui became my home, and I think she might always be. It was the most beautiful, transcending, purifying eight months of my life and this group of people that I'm about to interview La Cahaya Educational Farm, Winsome the founder and now Jake and Whitney who have joined in to support and help and with this team really bringing to life a vision that farming in a regenerative way can be done and We are all figuring it out as we go, but what we do know is that we should share about it and talk about it, and also, if possible, bring people to the places that are so sacred and so healing just by the vibration that it holds, like Maui, and respect the land by giving back to it, and they are not just giving, in general, their their life's work to helping grow food and helping communicate about how to make something conventional, growing things conventionally, especially in a place like Maui that has been just uh, beat up by people with the sugarcane industry and plantain and monocropping, just like corn and soy and wheat. Uh, But also this awful divide of how tourists, if they go to Maui, don't even understand what it is to walk on sacred land it is just about being in a place for themselves and I think that that's a conversation I really want to have not because I know all the answers but what I do know is that by digging in and talking to Hawaiians and understanding the power of that place there's so many ways that we can have conversation about how to be more respectful and how to plug in into farms that are working hard on creating that conversation and for me that's really truly like the vision even though I have no clue how it's gonna get there I just have full trust that my heart especially looking at the tea that I have my tea company knowing that I couldn't get behind the ingredients. I couldn't find out who was growing what. So if I looked at my amazing tummy tonic blend, which I'm obsessed with, I wanna know who's growing every single ingredient. And as soon as I couldn't get that answer, I had to stop it. So when I landed in Maui and in the first week had three farms, random encounters with farmers, (laughs) saying, I wanna grow herbs, I wanna grow tea. The idea of I have to provide distribution channels for these farms and i can bring back the tea company this way so it's been this crazy puzzle piece vision we're building a little apothecary and platform strength i have herbs that are going to be for sale and tea that is slowly going to come back tea that we know where it came from all regeneratively grown and it's just this work in progress baby step by baby step and conversation after conversation of where did you grow your food how did you grow your food how can I support somebody who's growing it in a way that I love? Can I get to know my farmer? And then can we as a collective create a co-op and a, and a support for small businesses like the tea company to not make it so hard to have your supply chain not just be sustainable for consumers and for the healing benefits of it, but also for Mother Earth. And that's the conversations that these people have helped me find and like expand and just truly no idea what it means I know it's eventually going to be called peel (laughs) Uh, people and experiences for the environment with lots of love farm tours and retreats and all of that but what I do know is that if nothing else I can share a story and help you understand what it means to be a farmer and I hope you enjoy it if you find find this enjoyable let us know and then go check out La Cahea Educational Farm and if you know anybody going to Maui send them this link so that they go and take a tour and learn about the things we're going to talk about today with poi and kalo and uh, farming and tea. Thank you for being a listener you guys are wonderful and I will see you guys soon. I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. Winsome, Whitney, Jake. Welcome to the House of Pod studio in Denver, Colorado. I have Maui in the house. Yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> This is so fun. You have been such a part of my last, like all of 2021 and in the craziest, wildest ways. And I can't wait to talk about La Cahea, your farm, uh, and all the things you guys are working on and doing, and just like big picture vision, let's F up the world and make it better. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so I wanna jump in, Winsome. I would love to start with you. You started this farm, how long has it been?
1: Mm, This will be the fourth year that I've been done, that I'll be done here.
0: Uh, and, what w- and you were in Maui though for quite a while.
1: Yeah, I've been in Maui for about seven years. And um, there we go, so better. Yeah, much uh, better. Yeah, been in Maui for about seven years and connected with um, uh, a Hawaiian named Bobby Pahia and his family who are growing dry land taro, probably some of the, b- for sure, the biggest kalo farmers in Maui. Um, and I connected with them through the Farmers Union. And oddly enough, what brought us together was my passion and excitement for uh, building earthships. So, using hmm. recycled <laughs> materials and like building houses out of them or building walls out of them. Did you do um, earthships in Maui? No, I actually, uh, well, the farm, we have two like earthship inspired yeah. walls, right? Mostly <coughs> to just like share the messaging in an artistic way of how we can be more responsible with our waste. Um, but before I moved to Maui, I studied at the University of Wyoming um, and did my internship down in Taos. So I, I did our ship ah. builds and stuff down there. And cool. at the time when I was in the Farmers Union, I had gone over to Ohio to do a build. And when I came back, I showed a little video that we did. And so Bobby and his wife were like, this is such a cool thing. We have so much trash here on Maui. Like, let's do something like that. And so that was kind of my invitation to come down and see what they were doing on this conservation easement. And. Um, and then, <clears throat> before I could just dive into helping them build an Earthship-inspired whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> we were going to build, um, I just wanted to know a little bit about what they were doing um, in their little community, what how they were growing food, and um, so I, I literally asked them if I could work with them on their farm, um, <laughs> which was which was a really eye-opening, humbling, amazing experience. And they, I think, at the time were. A little bit shocked that i had uh asked if i could work with her like you want to be a colo farmer in the central <laughs> valley of maui like what you're crazy um but i did that for a year and a half and um before the pandemic kind of shut down the company that we were working for they had to close we were uh working um uh growing taro and sweet potato and banana for uh, old line luau mm-hmm. um and all of their restaurants there and so um my time working uh with them in the same business shifted after the pandemic but that was a good opportunity to see how to grow taro and how to feed and water and um how to help transition their operation to more of like a regenerative space so Mm. um, Uh. yeah that was our connection and then you two whitney and jake met winsome
0: and now you are in maui so i would love to just jump right into this yeah Yeah. because when when maui calls you go you listen I would love to know. You guys have been involved in Denver community with farming for a a while. Like in general, I feel like you know every single person (laughs) that farms in Denver. That's what I kind of picked up on in the last few weeks when I was just like walking around. I'm like, wait, this is all connected. This is crazy how connected this is. So for you two, what was like the spark that made you say it's time for us to make a change in our Denver situation?
2: yeah um well we we started off 2020 um with really sort of the goal to uh understand a little bit more around farming and regenerative farming and um we landed in uh maui with with winsome and and a crew of of humans out there and really we just kind of fell in love with the project and um ability to uh, have s- have so much to do on the farm. And so uh, we
3: kind of I think we got to back up and tell the butt dial story.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> tell <laughs> the butt
3: dial story. Well, <laughs> we had,
2: okay, we that's had like fun, yeah.
3: Gone out to visit when some like f- probably 4 years ago in February. Y- yeah. And she was just starting the project and kind of had this dream and her and Jake like <laughs> rolled out the blueprints and kind of talked about everything and the vision and so we knew when we wanted to start our travels that like this inception was happening and so we thought maui would be like a good kickoff place but totally. we'd gone to visit winsome and our last name starts with an a so when, when he saved us in her phone and just would randomly butt dial us like <laughs> no way multiple
1: like, times
2: really <gasps> <actually. laughs>
3: so uh-huh. i think <laughs> it was like just the universe times oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that's an
2: angel like, dial <laughs> putting us sure. out there to <laughs> this girl in hawaii keeps calling us and energy
1: and And I never bought dialed anybody else. Like, my phone only (laughs) called them. (laughs) So funny. Well, does it tell me what la cahea means again? Yeah, so la cahea means um, to call in the light or to call out for light. I mean, I'm just saying.
3: (laughs) Calling Jake and (laughs) That's so good.
1: Uh, Okay,
0: so let's talk about. There's so many places because I want to talk about Kahlo. I want to talk about the tour. I want to talk about regenerative. Maybe we start with. The type of farming and why it's different and what the importance of this is.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> um, so I think we can start that conversation with the uh, Hawaii Farmers Union, and the um, the union in Hawaii is is specific and different from all of the other uh, chapters across you know uh, across the United States. In that we focus specifically in regenerative ag, um, and so that was my big draw to kind of like learn about that and. When I met Uncle Bobby, he was a conventional farmer. And so it was a really fun space to plug in with him because, um, you know, up until I started working with him, they were using one time use plastics down to like for weed suppression. Um, You know, they would uh, use herbicides and pesticides to keep, you know, the. Keep the weeds and the the pests away, and then synthetic fertilizers. And then, as Uncle Bobby and Juanita, his wife, started learning about the effects that that has on the land, the ocean, the people that are, you know, um, that are interacting with those, you know, uh, those products, he was really inspired to shift and change how he was doing it. Um, And that was kind of when I started working with them. They gave me like the fertigation specialist title, and they're like, "You can help us transition, you know, our operation," and So for for me, really, what regenerative agriculture means is, like, uh, we are honoring the microbiome. We're honoring the microbes of the soil and really relying on them to uh, pull the minerals and nutrients from the sand, the silt, the clay, from the dirt, and put it into our food. And so um, in farming that way, we really have to look at um, some of the aspects of conventional farming and address, like, the – the effects that they're having on d- on the soil, on the microbiome, and kind of shift away from there. So I can let you guys kind of add some more stuff in, <laughs> in that space if you'd like.
2: Yeah, I
0: think that was a,
1: a great
2: was intro.
1: A What's the hardest part of
0: converting conventional to regenerative? Or I know that's like a loaded question depending mm-hmm. on the land and what you're growing and how you're growing it. But is there like some themes of what is that transition, like things that you ran into or you two have seen just in the area you're in?
3: think a big thing is mindset mm. for the farmers too right. of just even like you know we're so used to farming a certain way and just a lot of things con- tied and connected to that so just taking mm. a step back and there's a lot of things that you need to do to kind of shift mm. into regenerative practices but I think the first one is just letting go of old
0: habits right mm. right
2: yeah and I think beneath that is is just the understanding of how nature really works and there's been so much um, uh, research and uh, advances in the understanding of the microbiome over the last 20-25 years and so a lot of the farmers out there are using sort of outdated information and systems and so it's uh, like you said shifting the mindset I think was also comes with that education Mm -hmm. um, which a lot of them don't have time or real desire to do Mm -hmm. because they don't uh, see some of the downstream effects until, you know, a few years out. Right. Yeah, but right. they will. So,
1: And it's hard to, like, actually see them right now, mm. right? Because a lot of the things is like, you know, our own health and how it's tied to that, but it's not a direct correlation. You know, you hear people who are in that research, you know, bringing that to light right now, but it's not necessarily – you know, is it the fertilizers and the pesticides running off from the agriculture that's killing the reef, or is it the sunscreen from all the tourists? You know, there's mm. all these different, like nothing so specific, so. Yeah. Um, no direct correlation, so mm-hmm. it's like ambiguous, but it's
0: also so connected. Mm. Uh, you guys, so of course, Kiss the Ground, a big advocate of working with them, and then you guys did a soil testing class. Um, is that a person you would love to share for people to learn more about soil?
2: Yeah, totally. It's more. It's essentially like a, a whole um, methodology and understanding that uh, Dr. Elaine Ingham um, has mm-hmm. sort of uh, pioneered over the last thirty years. And so again, it mm-hmm. speaks to some of that understanding of the microbiome. And yeah, um, we're actually knee deep in that course right now. Um, Winsome took it before, and so second we're taking time. it. <laughs> just taking it a second
0: time. It's with that with heavy, us. huh?
1: It's content heavy. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's you know, real specific in the biology and the transfer of minerals and nutrients and kind of the alchemy that all goes with that. Um, mm. So it's, that's a good word. Super interesting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And she really talks about the soil food web. So that's kind of one of her coined, um, you know, phrases that you'll hear a lot in regenerative agriculture as well. Mm. And that really just refers to the bacteria, the protozoa, the nematodes, the, you know, just the the fungi, the life in the soil that is pulling the minerals and nutrients like in trading it with the plants it's this big exchange that's happening um and that really has been uh cut out with conventional agriculture because um you know we we till up the soil we spray all these things have really detrimental effects on these like itty bitty microbes that until you have a soil sample under a microscope you don't even know they're there and then you see them you're like whoa this (laughs) is the life source yes you can see i mean that's that was one of the most inspiring things i think uh, the first couple years i was down there uh down there being locket was taking soil samples of the um the um, old cane land right mm. because before we came on this easement about five six years ago total um it was farmed uh, by hcns so it was all done conventionally with sugar cane for mm. yeah, i think like 140 years somewhere around that time so to take a soil sample and see wow there's only there's bacterial bloom, there's no fungi, there's no protozoa, there's no nematodes, and learning, like, the importance of those in having nutrient-dense foods, and they're not there. And then building compost piles, making, uh, you know, taking that compost, putting it in that same soil, putting a, t- a plant there, watering it for nine months, and then taking a, so- a sample of that soil again. And say, Whoa, like, we have this whole diversity. That we, the soil food web is there. It's present. Mm. And now how do we transition and keep, you know, um, malama in that land keep caring for that land without tilling it all up and letting it sit exposed to the sun and then all that hard work and time of those microbes becoming present now is like starting over mm. so I think that's like a, a tricky thing in the transition of regenerative agriculture is pausing your operation long enough to like come up with a plan which I think Jake and Wit are super good at you know Jake specifically he loves like going into the detail of that <laughs> the planning of this but to pause you know and as a farmer you're just in the grind you know it's like well what's the weather doing okay what's how are our team how is our bodies feeling how's all these factors and you're just like in this like flow and you're yeah. doing so much and to pause that especially when you have restaurants that are dependent on like you showing up with with food for them you know clientele cool. to pause that long enough to come up with a plan that you know you can cycle through and you can keep building the soil and you can um, so I think you know that's that's a challenge <laughs> right and the cycle of making yourself pause it's like
0: nature can't be sped up and you guys are living in that was that hard for any of you I mean you're a Taurus Winsome so I feel like that's kind of your like your natural at that <laughs> I, this would drive me mad I mean it's like a lesson every day have you guys experienced this in a way of like slowing down especially Winsome and I were talking before you guys came in about how Denver's so do 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 and Mm. it's just busy yeah so like that shift going to maui where it's not like that whatsoever it is so flow and so in that feminine flow in the cycle and just every day is like what are we feeling today (laughs) you know was that a hard shift or was that a good shift or is it all about the balance of it i think a little bit of
3: both um we like jake said we wanted to travel for 2020 so we had like invited in this pause to just kind of like go explore and learn Mm -hmm. so that was and it was something i don't have a background in like i love food but i didn't know how to grow food and yeah so there was a lot of space to learn and just be part of the process but i'm also a big doer yeah and i like to just see stuff get done it's a little bit of both
2: yeah i think you know launching a, a regenerative agriculture startup is uh probably pretty crazy anyways (laughs) but um to do that in Maui even even more so because of the pace of the energy there you know it's just slow and so it it forces you to sort of um do business and do farming and do all the things like at that sort of you know, different
0: pace, we we'll call the, it. And then you come back to Denver, and it's like you did cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really crack. I, like, seriously, haven't napped this much in my entire life. Oh, yeah. um, okay, let's talk about what you grow. So if someone doesn't know Kahlo or Taro, Taro yeah. who would like to do the honors? They're oh, pointing to Jake. Oh, that's funny.
2: So is um, a, a root vegetable. Um, it's grown all, all over the world, but m- mainly uh, in the kind of polynesian sort of islands a little bit in uh, china and other places but it's a very nutrient dense um potato like uh uh, vegetable that has been a staple in the hawaiian culture they make poi and pa'i with it which um if anybody's been to hawaii i'm sure they've had Um, well
0: that's that's crazy not i don't think so that mm. that's what i think is it's the separation of it but it hopefully they will soon when yeah. they go to your farm.
2: Totally. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or i think the connection is
3: like taro chips or taro milk tea which aren't right, you Probably know. Don't aren't taro. like representative of it.
0: Totally. You yeah. definitely can find taro chips, mm-hmm. but when people think of i don't think people know poi and i my grandpa loves poi. Like this poi gives him <laughs> life, you know. We ha- we had that whole thing about getting grandpa poi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which is just Did truly you end up getting him oh him? yeah we okay. got him poi. Nice. grandpa nice. got some poi. Nice. but uh, but it's just so interesting because i do you know the education around it because it is so sacred and it is so special to the hawaiians in so many ways like it is i don't know even the best example but it's like tea for japan you know mm. it's very ceremonial and it's very important so i think i'm excited that that's part of your farm tour
2: Totally. Yeah, I, I think um, it will be special to introduce people that come um, to the islands and uh, d- into Tarot and to um, experience it. And, and um, I think that'll that will uh, give them a little bit more connection to the to the culture there and definitely to the land. So, yeah, I think it'll be great.
0: <coughs> Have you ever heard this of it, Poi or kalo, like like the human flesh, like the brother? Have mm-hmm. you you, is there a better way for me to say that?
1: Well, it's, it's the, um, the creation story, uh, in a sense, of, of you guys will have to help me here if I can remember it. Um, so, uh, the Sky Father, Wakea, has a child with um, a woman whose name I always have a very hard time remembering Ho'okulani?
0: Ho'okulani, I think.
1: Ho-o- I think there might be another Ho'okulani. kulani yeah. I believe. Yeah. We need Uncle Bobby. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Bobby will call you in. <laughs> um, and and she is the, the creator of the stars in the universe. So we have Father Sky, the creator of the stars in the universe. They have um, a child together, and that child is uh, a stillborn. And so they plant this stillborn and in their garden, and the tears from the mother water this plant that becomes haloa, which becomes the first kalo plant. Mm. And uh, then they, uh, they have a second child, um, which is the first Hawaiian, uh, who they name after the big brother, Haloa. Mm. So uh, the Kalo plant and Hawaiians are, you know, they, they consider mm. it to be the, the, their brother. And <coughs> the plant itself is, is really cool because it tells the story of, of family. Um, mm. in, in that, you know, you plant a single plant, which is the, a keiki, a baby, you know, and you, you plant this... Um, actually the seed stock is called the huli there's like a hundred names in this like <laughs> in the whole planting tradition you plant this and then off of this come little cakey come little like baby plants which are you know more seed stock to keep mm-hmm. growing so the family of the plant is growing um and then you harvest like the the mother off of it and it j- j- just shares it tells this whole really beautiful story and if i knew the hawaiian words a little bit better i could probably describe it you know um in a better way but um yeah so it's uh it's you know hearing Uncle Bobby and Juanita and seeing their family and you know just the amount of people that the plant brings together is is really Mm -hmm. beautiful in that space too and I mean there's so much to learn about it it has so much to teach you and that you know the the corm you can do so much with it grows underneath of ground um I've also learned with the stock of it you know uh the Filipinos they use it in a lot of dishes which I've never actually like prepared the stock of it before and the leaf you can use it's a beautiful like heart-shaped leaf and there's so much to do with it and i think it you know is really deep in the culture in that way of you know really feeding and sustaining people
0: and it can re i learned this with you all when i was at one of your tuesday days you re plant it three times Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can yeah that's kind of mind blowing it's pretty cool yeah
2: it's a pretty special plant so when you when you harvest it out of the ground, it's there's a corm and then there's a stalk attached to it. And you cut the corm right at the bottom of the stalk. And mm-hmm. you can literally just stick that back in the ground and it'll mm-hmm. grow another corm for two other times.
0: Nature. It's crazy. Cool. Okay, random question that just popped in my head. And if we can, we can say pass because it might be too much. <laughs> but <laughs> what is like, you know, th- all these lessons that unfold, right? That's what I really loved about my time with you all in the farm and just being and experiencing it was it's all a journey of self-exploration like the lessons that you learn have you or is there a lesson that you have really taken away recently or with farming like what has farming taught you about yourself or what's a big takeaway that you're like wow (laughs) i know it's a big question pivot (laughs) Pivot.
2: yeah I, i mean for me i think it's just uh, it's really shown, I, I think, for all of us in in a way that if you um, really put your mind to something and your and your heart and your soul into something, you can pretty much do whatever you want. So yeah. that's really awesome. I mean, we have you know between me and we had very little, and Winsome had a, a small touch of farming. Period, and we've already harvested almost two tons, for the four thousand pounds up to this this so far so that's, that's pretty cool amazing yeah of oh my god it's a lot of, it's of a lot of pounds
1: altogether yeah yeah give yeah,
2: a few cool. more to do okay
0: go. what's a ton again how many pounds 2000 Two thousand pounds it's crazy it's so cool and you got this like cool ginger shaker can we
1: the gin, the clean oh, wow, the
2: ginger shaker <laughs>
1: i'm going to call <laughs> it oh yeah, yeah
2: yeah you can call it the ginger shaker yeah. it's going
1: to be called the ginger shaker perfect. <laughs> We so called it our nemesis for a while, oh but I like the ginger <laughs> shaker better. Yeah, like we a, a
2: machine. for that, so <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was rough. I, what, but uh, we got it. But you yeah, okay. got we it. We have it. We did.
0: It was just a last, 2021, everything was stalled and weird.
2: You know, yeah. It still it maybe is. It's still is. a little weird out there. <laughs> it's
0: still <laughs> a little weird. But that is a machine. You can, like, put it all in. And it shakes it up and cleans it.
2: Yeah, it blasts it with water. Yeah. And then these little brushes. Yeah, it's got, like, little silicone
0: brushes, and then it, like, rolls it. And it just, however far you want to like take the skin off too. I can't wait to see this. Yeah. So what's your favorite part of the farm or the stages of all the parts that you do? You plant, you have your grow house, you have harvest days, you have great volunteer days, you have a great community in Maui. That's how I met you is through our friend Molly, just like all these connections, you guys each personally, what gives you the most joy about what you do in land or working with land? Or is there, like, a stage or a phase that really... I think the whole process is pretty
3: rewarding. To, like, the field that we've harvested 2,000 pounds from, like, we just did a whole regenerative series on, like, really prepping that land. And so to see the evolution that we've done without equipment, with this 2,000 Subaru wheelbarrows, (laughs) like... (laughs) And just a lot of labor. Like, we've had so many different people on the land, which has been really cool. So just to really see and the harvest is pretty awesome like Mm -hmm. we didn't add any um fertilizer yes thank you to the to the taro and we're getting such great results and they're huge just feels really rewarding and it's yeah. really cool to prove to then the other farmers and they're kind of like well what's going on over there and yeah we're kind of the test for a lot of the farmers down there with us mm-hmm. being a little smaller scale and them not having to take those big of a risk so mm-hmm.
0: totally I
1: think that's an important thing to mention too is that you know what we talked about earlier is this cycle this flow that a lot of the farmers are, are in for us to be able to come in and say all right well these are some of the things that As a collective, we would like to change together, you know, as a community, not using, not spending so much money on fertilizers, you Mm -hmm. know, um, uh, getting away from having to till because we know it's not good. But after you plant a nine month crop, there's all sorts of crazy stuff in there and you Kind of just we're used to coming in and s- having a clean slate and replanting into a nice tilled up field. That's just easier. Yeah. Um. And so for us to be able to come in and like, all right, well, this is our intention. Let's put you know our three minds together using you know the wisdom from all the farmers around us and create as thoughtful of a design as we can, be as efficient as we can, and then to see that unfold and and have. Just like Witt said, you know, the other farmers say, oh, whoa, it's po- it's actually possible. Like, cool. Like, we're going <laughs> to yeah. shift now. Like, we, you know, that's yeah. not a huge is big of risk. Uh, I right. you know if you guys can do it with literally nothing, <laughs> uh, we can do it because this is livelihood. Right. I think sometimes there's that
0: disconnect when people are like, oh, it should pesticides, f- chemicals, fertilizers, all these things. Stop using them. I'm, it's like these are these are people's lives that depend on this food. And I think changing that and just blanket statement those things without recognizing the impact it has on someone's yeah. income is just so
1: ignorant. I you right. know, I think right. that's something that gets thrown around a lot. Cuz there's not support set up for a yeah. conventional farmer to transition really. I mean, there's not like subsidies set up, there's not Yeah. It's a it's a it's a huge risk and I think the ecosystem itself like there's a transition period that, you know, it's like super dependent on these like steroids almost in the form of fertilizers that they the plant literally doesn't have the biology so it has this chemical input and then our plants get this beautiful results you know, they look a certain color mm-hmm. they're big they're healthy but the nutrient density of them is like so little the, and so as that ecosystem transitions back and you see the diversity in the soil um you know i think it just it takes a takes a little bit of time to transition and I think that's one of my favorite parts about being down there is like it's like this like it's almost magic it feels like (laughs) of like okay this life in the soil that we can't see unless it's under a microscope where the goal is to transition it so it's super diverse and we have this whole like community of microbes and I see it on the surface level too it's like when we first started out there's like a couple farmers all spread out and you know we're all like doing our thing but the more you know regenerative ag is is weaved in here and the more we share the message of what we're trying to do as a collective of really feed a nation and like love Mother Earth at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, All these different people that show up and it's like as below so above Mm. this community of people and everyone is so unique in their skill set and their passion and to come together and see what sort of like magic that brings and ripple effect that can have you know Mm. not just on our piece of farm but like rippling out into the community and hopefully Everywhere. Far
0: <laughs> everywhere
1: Jake what's your favorite part
2: <sighs> you know I think what I've really enjoyed um, the most is is really uh, in just relationship that you develop with the plants mm. and it sounds kind of maybe esoteric or sounds a little woo but
0: we're into that yeah <laughs> I think yeah
2: I, I it it's really a visceral sort of response that you you can have um, with these sort of living beings that before you know being so um, intimate with them you you just don't really know mm-hmm. and I think that that is the crux sort of of our food system problem and and sort of debacle that we've gotten into with um, is the di- disconnectedness of people yeah. and their food and you know we mm-hmm. were you know right there you know two three years ago just just didn't really get it Same, and yeah. and so if you if you engage with these things it, it changes the relationship you have and you you know pretty quickly right um, so my favorite part's definitely been just diving in with the plants and getting weird with them
0: and just that instantaneous awareness right of everything on your plate came from somewhere and it's the curiosity that that just spider webs Like, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Maybe ask questions about that. I think unless you get on a farm, you don't have that innate, like, desperation to understand those answers. It's kind of an, oh, it's out there. It's like, okay, this would be good to have and good to know. But there's something about growing food that gives you that tangible desire.
2: Totally. And I think you could do it in your garden. Yes, And you can yeah. start there, really. And mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a farm. But you can, people don't realize how much food you can grow in your backyard. And right. If, if you just put a little planning. Or you can just kind of go and do it and see what happens. But you'll, you'll get food. It's mm-hmm. not that um, difficult to do. And so, you know, everybody can start to change that. That would uh, be awesome.
0: Well, our first connection, we can also talk, I would love to, about tea. You'd grow tea. Tell me about the tea and the herbs that you grow.
2: Yeah,
0: go ahead. <laughs> well, well you have a blend, so you are, you have put together a beautiful blend that I love. You Do ha- you have a name for it?
1: Not yet. I like them. Yeah. Yeah, so uh we have um hibiscus, lemongrass, and a uh Hawaiian shrub called uhaloa. And um that one just grows wild all over the farm so that's really fun because it kind of will pop up in some of the rows that we're planting and then we just you know care for that plant or it's it really just grows all over the central valley so that one is really fun to go in and harvest and um it's probably one of my favorite plants even right right there with Kahlo too i I just (laughs) really love it um but yeah then the lemongrass and and hibiscus and those three right now are the ones that we're working with primarily they mm. like to grow down there. That's important. Mm. in our climate, what likes to grow, we like to grow we it. foster that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah.
0: that, that's what people, I didn't know this about Maui, but how many microclimates there are. And mm. you guys are in quite the dry area. The dryest, yeah. <laughs> dry and very windy. <laughs> <Yeah>. And hot. <laughs> dry, hot, and windy, yeah. but gorgeous.
2: Yeah, just I mean, <laughs> the beautiful, beautiful <laughs> landscape as far as being able to see all of Maui
3: mm-hmm.
0: almost. Well, and you also did a drug deal for me, and uh, there's 10 pounds of Uhaloa <laughs> in your suitcase. I can't
2: believe it didn't get flagged at all. I mean, I it, I mean it looks, it b- looks lo- like very much so like cannabis. So. I
0: know, I've opened it up in front of tea shops, coffee shops, just added yeah. it to the, You know, people my teas. Like, They're like, what are you doing, <laughs> Emily? You can't just hide that? I'm like, it's not weed. Yeah, <laughs> <she'll laughs> it. Just roll around with a pound yeah. of uhaloa. Yeah, so it's, I'm just so thrilled to work with that plant as well, because it, it does feel so special. And learning more about it in a way that's like, it's just like kalo in, mm. in its importance and the role of what it played for Hawaiian people. Mm. Mm. Okay, so there's a lot of places we can go, but I do want to hit this about you guys have been in maui the can we talk about tourism in maui sure Mm -hmm. and i don't even know how to jump into it just because i want you know everyone who is coming to maui or anywhere in hawaii islands or anywhere that is beautiful and tropical to not stay in certain spaces and to explore what the land actually has to offer Uh, but from a perspective of you all who are in the land working on the land knowing that there is a big divide and that is something that's getting pretty hot and heavy in the sense of Mm. how disconnected the people coming are from the actual land that they're visiting. Mm -hmm. I know there's not one statement or one solution, uh, but what would be a good awareness for someone who's interested in traveling to Hawaii Islands? What should they be aware of? Or what is something that um, we should talk about in the sense of these are sacred and this is still people's homes?
1: Hmm. yeah that's a that's a big topic a big question Mm -hmm. (coughs) I would say going there with respect with respect for the fact that there's you know people that live there people that depend on the landscapes that depend on the oceans that depend on the the rivers and the streams and going there knowing that there's so many tourists that come and you know kind of do the whole cycle through through the island and let's see so something that's coming up for me right now like an example is there's all these like beautiful destinations and spots to check out and I think like Instagram has been sort of like a troubling uh detriment to some of these places because so many people come and they post it up and then all these people come there and and kind of blow up this spot and Maui is i mean a force to be reckoned with nature there is so powerful and if you're not comfortable or familiar with how the streams work and how you know um the flood zones work and how the ocean currents shift and change a lot of people are swept away and um (laughs) and then those areas get closed down and people aren't are no longer able to you know um appreciate them and and especially like the local people who are are there you know it's um so I, i think that's something and then just the ocean as well like coming there and putting all the sunscreens on and so many people just don't have an awareness around like the effects of the products that we use you know our hair products our skin products and so many people a day jake you're better with the numbers of telling you know specifically how many people Hmm. are coming to an area but you know we we have this and then you see like the reefs are are you know being devastated and you see all these areas closing down and you see people buying up land. It's it's so bizarre. And I think this is happening not only in Maui but, you know, other places, you know, even in Wyoming and Colorado here is people are coming up and they see the beauty of, of this place. And they, they buy up all the beachfront property. They're buying up all the land. And the price mm-hmm. of living there is so high that, like, the local people are even being pushed out, you know. Yeah. So the homeless population is growing. And so there's all these things happening. And I think that people are – just so um, kind of taken by the beauty and all the you know the awesome things there are to do on the island, and I think it's just important to like really go there like with a respect for the land, with a respect for the people who live there, and like maybe a curiosity to to give back. Mm. And so I- I'm not sure that's a hard question because being there the last seven years, I've met a bunch of different people, you know. Um, who have different takes on it. Some people are really grateful for the tourism. Some people literally are going out and protesting and making signs and blocking off the roads because they don't want people coming into their community. So um, I think it always kind of boils down to just a respect thing. And um, if you don't know, ask. If you're unsure, don't go, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Connect with different projects of people wanting to give back and learn how you can. I think that's such a beautiful thing about the culture in Hawaii too is Just the way that the Aloha spirit, the way that the people connect with the land, I think that's such a beautiful thing that I know within our project, we want to reconnect people Mm -hmm. um, and and hopefully have that, like, bring that Aloha spirit back with them in in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I think
0: I am still blown away by the Aloha spirit of how much, you know, we kind of just turn through and take and take and take. And it's like the same story over and over and over again. Mm Of people coming people leaving people coming people leaving and also you just feel that pain there's like certain spots that you just really feel it Mm -hmm. it's just heavy whether land or Maui but still there are people with just the biggest hearts and the Mm -hmm. open arms of like nope this is Aloha like come this is something I want you to see and share and I just I think I'm always just blown away by the love of so many people I was connected with and I think that, that's just something that you can't take for granted. That will go away if we do not have that respect back, mm-hmm. you know. So it's just really interesting. Do you two have any thoughts on it? I know it's a heavy topic.
2: You know, I, I think you kind yeah, of yeah a lot of sort of the on-the-surface things that the people that come there um, can do and just to be aware at the end of the day, um, but it's such a such a layered issue mm-hmm. that um, it's it's a tough one to to crack there because you know so much money is brought into the islands you know and it it's it's uh, somewhere around like four hundred million a month so that's that's a significant amount and it and it does you know employ a huge chunk so then. You know it's such a such a layered issue but i think mm-hmm. at the end of the day just being aware um and understanding that it is an island you mm-hmm. know and so there's limitations and and respect that looks different
0: yeah mm-hmm. so Yep. Yeah. and if you go well i think all of us our hopes are to be bridges right we're just bridges to try to get people to okay you're here do something mm. <laughs> do something to get involved so I love that that is something you guys are doing, which is your educational farm. Uh, do you guys want to, or your tour?
2: Yeah. You
0: want to like recap a tour so somebody can know what they're getting into? I mean, we're going to experience it for December with Dr. Lauren and I with a small group of humans yeah, coming we're onto your farm. For that. And I'm totally going to, we're going to, of course, do the tea where maybe some movement flows. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, win some. Does uh, flows with daily ritual for online. We just Mm -hmm. love it so much. Um, A workout, Jake, we have to do a farm workout. We we should. (laughs) Farm Olympics, something like that would be so fun. Yes. (laughs) Some harvesting, some planting, because hibiscus might be ready, you said. And I think ginger, we might have ginger Mm -hmm. from another to like shake up in the ginger shaker. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited (laughs) about the ginger shaker. (laughs) Okay, tell me about the farm tour big picture and then like what your vision is for it too
3: yeah I think it's a great opportunity for tourists and hopefully locals to come and really have that connection that we're all just kind of talking about of that curiosity And um, so we're inviting people to come down to the farm for about an hour and a half and come and just experience what we're doing we're going to have a little introduction and give them kind of a little mild dive into regenerative agriculture not Mm -hmm. scare them away too much and um, talk about us, who we are, what we're doing on the farm, the easement at large, um, and then talk about taro, give them a little different tasting. So we're going to try some steamed taro and show them how to make pot eye. The traditional way. Yes. To say. A little be cool. <laughs> on the board in stone. Um, maybe roll it in cinnamon sugar because it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, give them some of our banana chews and then just kind of walk them through a little interactive tour of the farm and show them kind of... Each little zone that we have highlights some regenerative practices and just show them the magic of the farm Mm -hmm. and why it roped all of us in. And hopefully it just kind of, you know, spreads the aloha and
0: something that they can take away and change their lives a little bit, too. Well, I love the story of the person that came. They were like, we just want to pick a fruit. (laughs) Right. There's such a desperation (laughs) for people to come. And such a good story. Right. Just have this ability to connect. And you guys get to provide that. And that's just so so rad i think i always i'm like okay what are my wish lists or farms all over the world you know making tea (laughs) something that's just really beautiful and give back uh it's also this idea of like bridging tourism and helping with that um but in general i think there's just like this opening of connecting people to land that if it's done well which you guys are doing well it will transform people's lives Mm. right It happened to me it happened to you it happened to you Mm too it's like there's it's kind of like the biohack if we want to talk about hacking the Mm -hmm. system like get yourself on a farm like Mm. that is how fast you will learn how shit really works Yep. so I just love that you guys are doing that and it's wonderful that it's like coming to fruition I've seen this like over since we met you know
2: yeah we're really excited. Uh, I think we've all um, been working really hard to craft a, an experience that people can really um, both learn but enjoy themselves in a comfortable sort of space but also be uh, woken up a little bit to mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. really is happening around our food yeah. and, and farming in general. So,
0: Ugh. Any farm stories you want to share? Any other final things? I mean, I just am so glad we met. It was yeah. so bizarre.
2: Very bizarre. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, or not, but...
0: But Maui style, yeah. right? Yeah. Everyone's like, how do you guys meet? It's
1: like, Maui. <laughs> like, when was the actual... You came to the farm?
0: Yeah. Like, one was the... So, you had, like, a volunteer day, and so then M- Molly invited me very mm-hmm. last minute, came... That's right. Yeah. I want to say it was in May. Maybe it was March. in March. Was in we just March. come back from Colorado. Oh. Yeah. yeah And I was like, You're from Colorado? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm from Colorado. Right.
2: I think uh. your house is right by mine.
0: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I am so thrilled about all the things you guys are doing. I am just obsessed with all of you, as you can tell. I think that so it's likewise. <laughs> likewise. <Yeah.
3: laughs> <Dilling is mutual. laughs>
0: and we will have Uhaloa and all the goodness from Maui soon at platform which is just like the most exciting crazy thing turning it into a little apothecary and yeah bringing maui into mm-hmm. denver yeah giving it some feminine energy because it needs it
2: <laughs> it, needs a bit. it needs a bit it
0: does okay yeah. oh i have one final question for each of you so we did this little fun story or like a little t- tea time kind of thing where Everybody got to share the other part of them besides the farmer part. So for each of you, what's like another, not not an alter ego because it's a part of you, but like the other side of you that you want to, you know, continue to bring to the table. Like I talked about this with Devin and he was obviously a farmer, but then he just broke out his ukulele and started playing the banjo. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So what is something that is also a part of what you want to do? Because it's not just farming that you're really excited about?
1: <coughs> I would say two <laughs> things come up for me that okay. I really love is one, um, like you know, we do the classes, the movement classes, so how we can apply um, a posture. So the posture that I study and practice is the bow spring. I really love um, sharing that with people and just how we can really take accountability over our, you know, our own health and our happiness through the way we hold our, our body in space and that can be applied to all the things we're stoked on doing. Um, that and then something I haven't been doing so much but was doing more recent or in the past is just using trash using waste materials and like getting to be super creative and artistic with building and you know especially with all the the cost of building supplies going so crazy I think there's so much beauty that you can do with like the raw earth and the material and the the waste streams to really help shift the way that you know our minds are about just you know our consumer throwaway culture that we're in right now and yeah. so i always really love coming together with a group of people and like building a cool project um out of trash oh yeah <laughs> <That's so> <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, real fast before
0: i get to you two the the 13 moons you taught me about this will you just mm. share a little bit about that about your i know it's not current in mm-hmm. uh publication with your 13 your moon yeah. calendar yeah, yeah. but For people who may be unaware of the fact that we are living in a lie (laughs) (laughs) with our calendar (laughs) system.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, okay, in a nutshell, the Gregorian calendar was put in place for the common man to pay his taxes, right? And so it's like it kind of vibrates to the frequency of this like uh, the 1260 frequency, which which is this irregular 12-month calendar um, and a 60-minute mechanical clock. And so if you compare that alongside of, you know, our Mayan cousins who, you know, tracked a year in uh, 13 cycles, there's just I mean, I think the Mayan calendar is one way, but there's a bunch of different ways in which we tracked time. And the clock was like the night sky. And so understanding that, you know, time isn't passing us by, but rather we're passengers on this planet and we're navigating like through time and space in a solar system like it's so magic if you mm. if you look at it from that way. Um And so I think that was like the essence of the 13 moon calendar project was just that, you know, being reminded and inspired by the magic of like the natural cycles that are happening and not getting so consumed with, you know, the 60 minute mechanical man-made clock in this calendar that if you break down the Gregorian calendars, just hilarious in the sense of like 28 days, 31 days, oh, (laughs) Augustus and Julius Caesar, they wanted a month in the middle. So like, all right, we'll bump it back. And it's just (laughs) the timing. The whole calendar is really funny when you kind of break it down in that and then to think so many people on the planet are all sunk up to this like this way of patriarchy oh,
0: <laughs> well i'm so glad you were bringing awareness to this because i had nice. no idea <laughs> august was my favorite month. all right you two what are some things that you just love well maybe you could a- answer this for each other too
3: I think for me, I I love food, and we're, like, really starting to make some, like, juicy things with taro, so I'm just excited for... Waffles. Yes, waffles, waffles. tortillas. We're really nailing the, the tortilla tortillas. recipe, yeah. so I'm super jazzed about yeah. that,
0: so... Well, the best description I can have, which is a horrible description, <laughs> because it's so... <laughs> it's, like... Really throws me back to how bad it was before I changed my diet, but I was uh, in love with Crunch Wrap Supremes at Taco Bell, yeah. <laughs> and it's got that like um, fluffy tortilla. Yeah, yeah, it's got that a is bite. A, that's what you make. It is insane. It's it really is good. so good. Me and my mom at your house. I just wanted six of them. So, <laughs> however, that's we can package those and ship those to Denver. Right. I will be your orderer. <laughs>
2: Perfect. Try to get them down here. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a good question. I I think most recently I've been really into baking,
0: oh. so I've been baking mm-hmm.
2: bread a lot. What
0: kind of bread?
2: Mainly sourdough. Yeah. I I started my own culture maybe like a year ago. It has since died, but oh no. <laughs> I got a better one from this like really badass baker lady, and so, so I've been making some delicious breads.
0: Uh. I love it. Well, you guys are just so p- such beautiful humans. Thank you for connecting and being my first interview back at House of Pod. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks awesome. For it's been a Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah we really uh, appreciate you. Such a pleasure. Everyone go to la Cahaya, mm-hmm. la farmcom LaCaheyaFarm.com.
1: Farm.com.
0: And then your Instagram handle?
1: Um, la underscore Caheya. Yeah, la nice. underscore Caheya. Ka. Uh-huh.
2: K-A. G-A.
0: And then, if they're flying into Maui and they're like, oh shit, we gotta book this, what part of Maui are you? If you could explain it,
2: sure. So, we're right in the Central Valley, mm-hmm. so um, in between uh, the airport and essentially Kihei, if mm-hmm. you will.
0: Uh, it's right on your drive. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's right off.
1: And you know, also, if you get a chance to check out the website, we've made it really interactive in the way that you know. We've met so many people that want to contribute to regenerative agriculture and aren't necessarily the type of people that want to, like, go down and work in the hot sun and pull weeds or harvest plants or, you know, do this. So we've kind of created a bunch of different ways for people to plug into the movement mm. um, and support what we're doing down there and support the, you know, really the bigger community of, of um, kalo farmers on on the island. So, uh, yeah, if yeah, you get a chance check it out, we check have a, out. a
2: really cool um program that we're just about to launch mm-hmm. called adopt a crop so you guys can go check it out there and
0: mm-hmm. adopt a crop uh, yeah mm-hmm. it's
2: gonna be awesome so.
0: ah i love it what yeah. are, what is it
2: well, it's essentially we are growing as um nutrient-dense food as you possibly could and giving it away uh through um people donating to pay for the overhead mm-hmm. so people adopt a row and mm-hmm. uh and we give it away to people in need in the local Maui community Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's really special Uh, we're excited to
0: launch that Mm -hmm. you all are doing good work keep it up I'm here for it and I'm here to support in any way I can awesome I can't wait to come visit again
2: slash live forever (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: okay big love thanks for listening thanks for being a part of Meathead Hippie and I'll see you guys soon